Welcome back in listeners to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are returning to the Downtown Urban Arts Festival, where we are now speaking with a full house of artists who are part of Our Little Secret, which is playing June 16th at Playwrights Horizons. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting duafnyc.com. And with that, we would like to welcome the playwright Roland Jewett, the performers Vinny Takali, Thamar Jandubi, Lydia Kalman, the director Jay Michaels, and the stage manager Andrew J. Kohler. Everybody, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. I love a full house. This is going to be fantastic. And I'm so excited that we have another show from the Downtown Urban Arts Festival, a wonderful festival this year over at Playwrights Horizons. And so let's just jump right into it. We have the show, Our Little Secret, Roland, written by you. So why don't we have you tell us what this show is about? Okay, well, the show is really, it's kind of a screwball comedy. It's sort of a throwback to the Neil Simon types of, of films and plays that he did, where there's a lot of repartee between the characters. And it, it's lighthearted. It's a comedy where a masked intruder breaks into a girl's condo late at night. You don't know why he's there. You don't know what he's doing. She has to sort of interact with him. On the one hand, she's afraid of him, doesn't know what he's there for. On the other hand, she's she's curious about him, wants to know what, what his situation is, what brought him to do this. And then we have a, a policeman, a, a lieutenant detective who is casing the joint, casing the building, and wants to find out where this masked intruder is, whose door he broke in, what he's doing there. So you have some intrigue. You have comedy, you have the reasons why the masked intruder is there. We find out over time uh, through his, his interaction with, uh, with the, the young lady. And that's really it in a nutshell. You know, I just wanted to write a, a, a fun, lighthearted, but, you know, it, it's got some, some stakes attached to it as well. Uh, comedy. Roland's a very nice man. He's, he's not giving you the real depth of his piece. We're looking at power struggles. We're, we're looking at the the, brig, the the beginning of different kinds of relationships. He's he's also he's also showing us a, a modernized take on so much within his show. This is this is a comic love story. It shows the depths what a parent will do for their family. It shows the power that women have in a way. This is this is the answer to to these plays where the women is a damsel in distress. They're certainly not in this. And and Roland, who who I'm not sure if he spoke to you before before recording. Roland's a big star. Roland was in like every TV show in the 80s and 90s. There are pictures of him in everything. So he understands these characters. You got your Neil Simon, your Mel Brooks characters. You got a touch of Columbo in there with, with the detective. He has really handed you this very deep play, but covered it in this layer of immense screwball fun comedy. You're gonna laugh and when you exit, you're gonna go, now I understand. Really great piece. And we have some brilliant actors. I've lucked out in terms of these performers. I've absolutely lucked out. We've, we've just, we're, we're right in the middle of, of the first staging rehearsal and they're not hearing me. I'm in my head, I'm going, okay, I can sleep tonight. They're <laughs> absolutely marvelous. 
Well, that is a perfect lead into bringing on our three performers, Vinny, Thamar, and Lydia. And let me ask the three of you, as the actors in the show, what has it been like developing this work, Our Little Secret? I mean, it's been a blast. <laughs> it's been so much fun. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, we, you know, from the first reading all the way through today to putting it on its feet, you know, we've been kind of slowly, slowly finding the characters and finding, you know, where the comedy is and where the comedy is not. And and it's been fun. For sure. And I would just add that like when I first read the play, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought I knew what it was about. I thought I saw where all the, the, the funny parts were. And I, saw, I, thought, I thought I had an idea of what we could do with it. And then working with Jay, Jay is <laughs> Jay's an excellent director. And so he, he's been showing us and, and taking us in directions that I at least didn't see and didn't think were possible. And it's, it just added so many more interesting layers to, to Roland's excellent writing. I love that. I want to now include someone we don't normally get to include who's our stage manager working in the back scenes there, Andrew Kohler. <laughs> what has it been like developing the show as a stage manager? It's certainly a different experience than being in a play and developing a character. It's you're also following actors on their journey of learning the piece, if that makes any sense, because sometimes you don't get the chance to really read a piece before you go in. But I'm loving every minute. And it's an honor to work with such wonderful actors and a wonderful director and a wonderful playwright for, was it our third show together or something like that? I don't know. But yeah, it's been a wonderful time. That's amazing. I actually look out with Andrew because he 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 doesn't just sit there and take blocking and just nod a lot. He he follows the show with us. He's he's as integral as anything in the show. So he'll look at someone and say, "Why don't they move over here? Why don't they do this?" And whereas you think, "Oh, why is he doing that?" Are you kidding? He's enhancing the show. I'm seeing that in all of them. You you really get an idea how invested the actors are when they're when they're butting in, if you will, when they're just kind of walking around the stage. You like the way you told them, they're just kind of there. But when I when I do something and suddenly I'll hear Thamer say, "Uh, may I try this?" and 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 Lydia say, wouldn't it be better if and 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 Vinny's sitting next to me and suddenly I'll hear, you know, if he goes to the door, <laughs> and, and then and then I'll I'll hear Andrew all the way at the other side just go, uh, may I suggest? I'm like, okay, they're all involved. They care. They're excited about it. Whereas you might think, oh, they're bothering me. Not at all. It means they're all invested. This is a teamwork, and and that's a total relief as opposed to what the other direction of that could be. Love that. Roland, back to you with this. Where did you get the idea for this show? You know, I just basically started with an idea of a man kicking in a woman's door late at night. And that image was so theatrical to me. It, it grew from that. I literally just start, started this as sort of a stream of consciousness piece and let the characters take over and create their own voices and their own motivations for what they were doing. And I, I wrote it very quickly and, and of course went back and, and rewrote different things, but that's how it started. I just, I really had this image of a guy kicking in a girl's door late at night. And, and why was he there? Who was she? What did he want? Who was gonna intervene? What was gonna happen between them? I had just done a couple, I was an actor before I was a, a writer. And I had just Told done you. a couple of comedies, a Neil Simon comedy. I did The Owl and the Pussycat. And that whole comic 
sort of oeuvre was was in my mind at the time. And I just wanted to these these characters to kind of grow by themselves. And the repartee between them was going to, to drive the thing. And they just spoke to me. The, the characters just spoke to me. And I, I just, that, that's how I got the motivations and, and the idea behind what happens in this. Fantastic. Let me wind down this first part of the interview by asking a few of you, what is the message or thought you're hoping the audience will take away? And Roland, I'm going to start with you on that. Well, I really, I really just hope that they come and they enjoy a little bit of comedy for a change, because I just don't think there's a lot of comedy out there. People are, are not writing it. Everybody's afraid to offend everybody else. And this, this is a kind of one of those pieces where I don't think anybody's going to be offended by it. It's just a very lighthearted piece, but it does have some, you know, some heartfelt moments in it and some mystery and some intrigue. But the bottom line is that you really don't know who anybody is going into your life and you, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. So when this guy breaks down this girl's door, you don't know who he is and you have to find out about him. You have to learn about him, what his motivations are. And you, you can't judge him right off the bat for being a, a bad guy or a burglar because you don't know what it is. So that's one thing, I suppose, you know, on a serious note, that uh, just don't judge a book by its cover. But really, the whole idea is for people to co come and enjoy some comedy, be entertained, laugh a little bit, and, and watch what unfolds. Jay, what about you? Especially since you're the director. When I first read it, it was, it was obvious to see the humor in there. There's so many moments. You do the math when you listen to the script, where you can almost hear the, the screwball comedy, you almost hear the shtick lines. As we're doing it now, our, our biggest thing is timing. There are certain moments that have to be quick, there are certain moments that have to be slow, depending on the power struggle, the, the drama versus the comedy. But for me, what I really got, which really made a difference, was the depth of the don't judge your the book by its cover. Here we have a situation where we are introduced to two characters and they are nowhere near what they are on the first page as opposed to the rest of the play. You make a judgment call when you see these three characters, really, you make a full judgment call on, on their opening moments where you obviously think of there's something that, who they are, but they are completely different. And I think that really says something about society nowadays. You see these this masked assailant, you immediately think of who he is, his life and whatever, and it totally turns around. You, you get the idea again, this damsel in distress, and again, it turns things around. And even the detective, you immediately, there's, your back goes up like, okay, there's a policeman in the room. And again, everything is turned around. You, When the audience walks out of this, I want them to look at the people in the street and say, you're not that. You're not that. I want them to go into a place to buy to buy a soda and look at the, the person selling them the soda and say, you know, I wonder who you really are. When they walk, when they walk in the train and they see somebody and they first say, oh, I got to be afraid of them. I want them then to think, should I really be afraid of them? Uh, I, I want the audience to walk out really thinking that, that uh, and, and also let it turn around, let the audience walk out and say, I wonder what people think of me. So yeah, they're laughing hard, but when they step out there, I want them to go, wow, I never realized how I look at people, how I look at, at, at individuals. I want to, I, I, it's, it's a message about prejudice. I, ironically, with all its screwball, Mel Brooks, Neil Simon humor, it's a message about prejudice, about how we're the, we're the founders of our own prejudice and we need to stop it. 
And finally, Lydia, what about you? What do you think the message or thought that you're hoping the audience will take away? Honestly, I feel like Roland and Jay put it so beautifully. I mean, that that's exactly what I was already thinking. I was, you know, with the screwball comedy part, I'm just hoping that people will just have fun because we, we need a good laugh right now. But yeah, the, the same way that the guy who burst down my door is, you know, so much more than we first think and that my character is so much more than we first think. She she looks like, you know, at first she might look like a damsel in distress, but I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe not so much. <laughs> spoilers, come on, spoilers. She might, <laughs> she might be, or she might not be a damsel in distress. We don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe I need his help. Maybe I end up needing his help in the end instead of, you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that leads me to my final question for this first part. And I'm going to start, Thamar, with you on this. Who do you hope have access to the show? I mean, I hope anyone who's interested, to be honest. I mean, I think that theater, certainly in New York, has become super inaccessible to most people because it's just become, you know, Broadway, at least. It's just all about filling, you know, getting big names and kind of filling seats. And that's what's so beautiful about a festival like this. It's not about that at all. It's just about people getting a platform, writers, directors, actors who might not have a platform elsewhere to show their their work and what they can do. And as far as who gets to see this work, I think anyone, all ages will enjoy it. And yeah, as far as who who it's it's accessible to, I mean, I, I would, I'm trying to think if, if this play is age appropriate for kids. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. I think I, I would love for, you know, some adolescents who might be interested in a career in theater to come see this, because I think it would be a great advertisement for our profession and what we love to do. Love that. Vinny, what about you? Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say to just hop off what Thamer was saying is that it's it's nice, a festival like this, access people who do what we do to have access to it because it's so encouraging, I think, to writers and actors to see, you know, our brethren, you know, kind of involved in putting up a piece you know, I think it's encouraging that it, that it's it's steering people like to and away, I mean away from that kind of idea, the big Broadway, the big name, the mm -hmm. big producer. You know, no, no, we can we can do what we love. Yes, 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 yes. And mm -hmm. finally, we have to hear from our stage manager, very important voice in the room, Andrew. Who do you hope have access to the show? I hope that. There's that some some kid that's sitting in one of these boroughs or one part of New York or wherever in the U.S. that wishes they could go see a Broadway show, but they can't because it's financially not feasible and they can access such wonderful original pieces in the heart of New York City still. You know what I'm saying? I really wish that anyone who just has any sort of interest in putting theater together will go into the downtown urban arts festival and see the work that it's putting on because it's truly magnificent and i love to see it every year the show normally where we pull back the curtain and we let our listeners get to know our guests a little bit more 
on a personal level. And we have several questions lined up, but we have a very full house today and we are a little crunched on time. So we're just going to jump the inspired question and the favorite part of theater, just jump to my favorite question. And this is going to be for everyone. And that's what is your favorite theater memory? Roland, what is your favorite okay. memory? I grew, you know, I grew up doing theater in high school and then I went to Florida State and I did college theater and community theater. And I loved performing in front of people. Every show had something and, and added something to, to my character, my repertoire. And that was as an actor. But I think my favorite theater memory now is being a writer. About five years ago, I started doing the playwriting thing. It's probably longer than that, actually, maybe six or seven years ago. I wrote, uh, I wrote a play and I submitted it somewhere and they accepted it, which, you know, for one thing, that was a great memory. The fact that somebody actually wanted to produce my play, my work, and it was local. So I was actually able to go and see this production and it was a comedy as well. It takes place in a bar. So I showed up that night and nobody knew who I was or anything. And, and it was a crowded bar and it was about two people meeting. And it was a case of mistaken identity and it was called Blind Date. And to sit there in that audience and hear people laugh, you know, and, and it wasn't just laughter. It was like roaring laughter it made me feel like, you know, like a king. I was just, I felt so validated as a writer that I wrote something that people really, really enjoyed. And that really struck me. I mean, it really, it really made my heart feel good that I was able to, to make people laugh and enjoy something that I had written. That's probably my favorite moment in theater at this point. Love that. Yes. <laughs> Who would like to go next? I, I had when, when you when you asked the question, Andrew, I had a something came to mind immediately. And I wish I wish that I had a story about like when I was 10 years old and I went to see the Lion King or like Aida and I was like this, this is it. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is my calling. But for whatever reason, when you asked the question, my mind went to, funnily enough, you're involved in this story because the first play, the first play that I did professionally was, was Oslo with you in Salt Lake City. And that was the first professional work I had ever done. It was my first regional theater. I got my equity card through that show. And I remember I was so nervous when I first got there. I had never worked on that level before. And I was so worried if I was going to be good enough or if, if I had the talent necessary or if people were going to like me or this and that. And at the end of the show, when, when we, you know, after we rehearsed and after the, the show closed, I remember I wrote a, a letter to Karen Eisenberg, who, who directed us. And I, I wrote her a pretty long letter, essentially thanking her for giving me the opportunity to be in this show. Why? Because after doing this show, I gained the confidence to believe in myself that I could do this for a living. Before that, I didn't really know. And afterwards, she took a chance on me. And that confidence that she gave me that I could pursue this as a career was invaluable to me. And so that moment to me stood out as, as a real seminal moment in my career. That is awesome. And you were fantastic in that show. Yeah, yeah. It's so you, much fun to do. And just... Angel, thank you so much. Who would like to tell her next story? All right, I'll go. You know, when, when the question was asked, of course, your brain is going, okay, how am I going to answer this question? 
right? So we went every, I went everywhere from, you know, the uncomfortable feeling of seeing Best Little Horror House with my mom to, you know, seeing, we were talking before the original production of Sweeney Todd or, or seeing Dustin Hoffman in Merchant of Venice and Death of a Salesman, you know, but let me tell you, the thing that popped into my head, which was kind of like a little life-changing little thing. I was in high school. I was in a production of Man of La Mancha and I was playing Sancho Panza. Okay. So complete with the padding and stuffing, right? So we took the show, our high school production, and we took it to like an elementary school to do scenes from it. And after the show, parents and teachers and things like that, after the show are coming up to everybody in the show and saying, you were wonderful. You were, oh, oh, it was great. It was great. And because I looked nothing like who they saw, because I was out of my padding and my costume, no one came up to me. <laughs> I felt kind of hurt by it. But at the same time, I experienced that it was an interesting feeling of like anonymity that yeah like that's not me like you know I was like that that feeling of like that separation what happens up there I, I can't really explain it but it was kind of like an important kind of step back I don't need really you know what the accolades because like I did that you know that's awesome. what I thought of. <laughs> that's wonderful and I I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall too to hear people be like oh that Sancho was amazing wasn't it yeah like, <laughs> where, where is he where is out? <laughs> there you're like right here right here <laughs> who would like to go next I'll, I'll, I'll go Come on. <laughs> yeah I was trying to think of of the same thing I mean I've seen so many Broadway shows that have been just so beautiful and moving and fun and phenomenal and but yeah, I didn't really have the same instance either where, oh, I went to see a Broadway show as a kid. And because I, so for me, I grew up in the performing arts because my dad's a musician. He plays piano and keyboard. And his sister, my aunt, owns a dance studio. And I started classes there when I was about two. So <laughs> I've just been a performer my whole life. And that's all I've ever wanted to do. But a magical moment that I was, we were just, I was telling Vinny about it because my, my mom had taken me to see Lamas Rob before the original production closed on Broadway and sobbing my eyes out, hands down my favorite musical of all time. But then I was, I was, I was lucky and blessed enough to do the school production at Binghamton University because they had, at least at the time, um, a summer youth musical theater program. So we did a production of that and I was in the ensemble and I was one of the, towards the end of act one, I was one of the revolutionaries, you know, we're, we're setting up, you know, ready for a revolution. And we're singing that classic song, One Day More. And at the end, we do that last one day more. We're sticking our fists up in the air. And I had one of those magical moments that every actor longs for, dreams of. You're always chasing that high where I was so committed to the character and the moment. And I was so, so in it that my whole body just vibrated with electricity. Every cell in my body just oh my gosh, it's just like the most amazing, like natural high feeling ever. And in my head, I'm like, oh, that's what that is. That's, that's what actors, that's what professional actors talk about is that moment. And it was just so cool. It was so amazing. I was just the whole, whole intermission. I just couldn't sit still. I was ready to go, it's ready to go fight the revolution. You know, that was, that was cool. That's definitely it. Hands down. <laughs>
Love that. Yes. Looks like I'm Andrew's back. coming next. <laughs> right. I'm back. Okay. Much like Lydia and Thamar, I really didn't ever have a moment in my childhood where I was like, yep, this is it. Let's go. Because it was something I always did. I grew up in a very artistic family. We we got performers, we got visual artists, we got we got it all. But I do have a couple of moments that I did want to touch upon. One of them as an audience member was seeing Joaquina Kalakongo in Paradise Square. And my best friend and I, we sat front row center. We got rush tickets. We were very lucky to get that. And what I noticed was Joaquina using the acting technique called personal object. I noticed that she would play with certain pieces of her costume, touch her hands in certain ways when she wanted to convey a certain moment. And I was just enthralled the entire time with that. But as a performer, going back to high school, I was part of the Schubert Theater Festival on Broadway, which was so cool for high schoolers to get to be a part of. I never had an awakening moment up until then, which was we were I was in a production of Ragtime with Frank Sinatra School of the Arts, Famous Plug. We did a section of the show until we reached that day, which is the act one finale. And there's a big bridge that goes right into the ending that it was choreographed that we would all be facing each other. And then on that last button before the bridge started, we'd face out and start walking forward. And standing on that stage at the Schubert Theater was, you had that give the people up, pow. And you had that, we all had that collective moment of, oh, oh shit, this is so fun. And I remember looking one of my friends in, in the face after the curtain came down, I looked at him and I'm like, I want to fucking do this for the rest of my life. This is it. And yeah, that was one of many instances. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's amazing. Well, five down, one to go. <laughs> my friend, I I shared when you were gracious enough to interview me solo, I shared with you a whole bunch including a time I worked on the stage of Lincoln Center in Fiddler on the Roof. There was the time that my very first professional performance was in Hamlet in 1982 uh, that also starred Vincent DiCali. So it's great to be working with him now, years later, uh, <laughs> tons of things. But he touched upon one particular thing, and it's not a memory so much, it's a feeling. Firstly, I came from a, a home that did not appreciate the arts. To this day, they do not. They do not support it. So for me, every moment is an aha moment because it, it, it reassures exactly what I wanted to do in life every moment. I've had one today just watching this cast, frankly. So, so I have all of those. But when, when Vinny said about not being recognized, that's my favorite thing, by the way. I get that a great deal because I'm in the background, so people don't necessarily see me. The first time it happened, it was a high. My wife worked on Broadway for about 10 years, and she was working on Wonderful Town, and I would go to see her during the show, and I would have to go through the stage door, and they knew who I was, so I walked through the stage door. And when one evening I went to pick her up, I walked through a massive crowd standing by that stage door. I opened the door, I said, hey, how are you? And strolled in, and before that door slammed behind me, I looked, and every face was who's that? Who is he that he can walk in like that? And that is a drug. Whenever I, whenever I walk through a door, whenever I just go, hey, how are you? And everyone goes, who is he? I just sit there and go, wouldn't you like to know? Love it. Love it. Love it. And, and I have aha moments every single day. And when I stop having aha moments, then I'm going to worry. Yeah. Thank you all so much. They were, those were all 
amazing memories, all of them. I, I cannot wait to edit this episode and just be able to relive all that. So thank you. Thank Are you. there any productions or projects that anybody has coming on the pipeline we might be able to plug real quick for you? At the Cultural Arts Playhouse in Merrick, there's the Drowsy Chaperone opening at the 1st of July, and it runs through the 23rd. I'm playing the underling in that, so come see me get vodka spat in my face. And I'm also doing Into the Woods with Mezzo Productions in Mineola on Long Island, and I'm playing a couple of different roles in that, the steward and Cinderella's father. So that opens in August. Come see that. Yes. This this strike's killing me. I mean, good for them. They should be they should be striking, but unfortunately, no, nothing, nothing coming up for me. No, not in the foreseeable future. Pay your writers. Pay your writers. Yeah, that's pay your writers. Yes. Uh, I I mean I don't have anything coming up production wise, but I could plug something that was done in the past. Jumping into the world of film on Amazon Prime. It's called The Dark Offerings. <laughs> it is a horror film that I shot at the beginning of the lockdown. We were like the first horror indie film to shoot during the pandemic. And yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. And if anyone knows the world of horror, then you might recognize a couple of faces and names from the horror genre. We got some really cool cameos in there. So yeah, Amazon Prime, The Dark Offerings. Check it out. And if you don't, <laughs> and if you don't know the world of horror, Terry Alexander from George Romero's Day of the Dead is in there. Felisa Rose, Felisa Rose from Sleepaway Camp. So many really, really amazing film. Mark Marcus Slabine, Marcus Slabine. I always pronounce his name wrong. He he's the director. He's a buddy of mine. I interviewed him on on a show I did in in Arizona. Really, really compelling film. Well, I just, I had two productions in the UK in the last couple of weeks, but as far as coming up, I'm hopefully in pre-production for a play that I wrote to be a short film. It's called Buzzkill and was done with the Downtown Urban Arts Festival about, I think it was four or five years ago. I've, I've had a play in the Downtown Urban Arts Festival for the last six years, so I'm, I'm very blessed that that they like my work and they continue to 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 produce something of mine every year. I mean, they're, they're just so wonderfully supportive. Uh, I love working with them and I get to work with Jay. This is our third production with them together. I think our second with, with Lydia, but hopefully this, this film, this short film will, will actually see the light of day after four or five years now of trying to get it going, but it looks like we're headed in the right direction and may actually come to pass. It's amazing. Well, finally, if our listeners would like more information about Our Little Secret or about any of you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? Well, they can go to rollandjewett.com for me, and they can also just Google my name. You'll see a ton of stuff come up. So I'm all over the place. I do music. I do screenplays. I do books, short stories, poetry. So uh, I'm easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise for me, I mean, I I, I have a, a, a website, tamergenduvi.com. If you want to check out my past work. Unfortunately, I'm not very active on social media. I do have a Facebook if you want to. I'm not very social, uh, active on social media, but I do have Facebook if you want to reach out there. Uh, single ladies, uh, 917. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a website too, lkalman.com or on Instagram at Kalman underscore Lydia, I guess would be the, the, the two best places to 
Sometimes, but again, Google the name too. Those those things will pop up if you can't remember. <laughs> Easy to find. Okay, yeah, VincentTicali.com. I'm on social media. New email for me is info at jmichaelsarts.com. Let me show you how it's done. You can reach me. You can see my website and you can see info on all of Roland's works, on all of everybody's works on jmichaelsarts.com. J. Michael's commu Global Communications has productions going on right now in Illinois, two in California. I, 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 have, I solidified one in Alabama. We have, we have production and innumerable in New York. I'm exhausted today because what I thought would be a quiet day, the morning came about and you were there. Fable is now going off Broadway. We had our first we had our first meeting today regarding the next part of this and we're talking to investors, we're preparing the pitch deck blah 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 and last night a symphony for Portland is also coming back to off Broadway. Yes. And you'll appreciate this we're go that's the thing I'm doing in August. We're flying to Utah. We're doing a fundraiser out there and then we're bringing it back here. That's the two biggies. And like I say, I have about 20 or 25 shows heading to New York from my clients. We have a brilliant one, like I say, in Illinois. We have two in California. We have, I just solidified one. I'm looking on my email as we're doing this. Another one in, o in Ohio. They're all out there. jmichaelsarts.com, info at jmichaelsarts.com. You can see me on Facebook, JMC Channel I or J Michaels 100. I'm on Instagram as J Michaels Global. I don't like Twitter, but I'm on there somewhere as J Michaels PR. I'm out there. Just click my name and you're going to find out about anywhere from 20 to 200 different productions that are happening all across the country. And I have a client in Italy and I once had one in Australia. <laughs> I don't know how I can go after that. I will say this. You won't find me in a jailhouse. You'll find me anywhere else. You can find me on andrewjkohler.org or Andrew J. Kohler, no, at AJ Kohler on Instagram. Yeah. Well, perfect. Roland, Vinny, Thamar, Lydia, Jay, Andrew, thank you all, all so much for taking the time today to speak with me. This has been amazing. The show sounds fantastic. You are all incredible. Thank you for your memories and insight on the show. I can't wait to see it. I wish you all the best. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Two press seats on the aisle are already arranged for you. <laughs> thank you. My guests today have been the playwright Roland Jewett, the actors Vinny Takali, Thamar Jandubi, Lydia Coleman, the director, Jay Michaels, and the stage manager, Andrew J. Kohler, all who are creating and putting on this great show, Our Little Secret, which is part of the Downtown Urban Arts Festival. It's playing June 16th at Playwrights Horizons. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting duafnyc.com. We also have a myriad of contact information for these wonderful guests, which we'll be posting on our episode description, as well as on our social media. But if you're in the New York area or anywhere nearby, make sure you get your tickets now for Our Little Secret playing June 16th at Playwrights Horizons. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. Reminding you to... Turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you.
friend from old New York town Met in a foreign land One thing the praises of Cape if you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.